If you have your Bibles with you, let's open them up to Ephesians chapter 5. We'll start in Ephesians 5. And as you're turning there, we are in the second week of the series on margin. Today we're going to talk about scheduling margin. As we get into it, let me just ask you a few questions, and I would love it if everyone at all of our locations would participate. How many of you would say, I would love to have a little bit more time maybe for myself, to rest or do something I enjoy. How many would say, if I had more time, that would be awesome? And how many of you would say, I would love to have more time to spend with the people that I love? Would you raise your hands? If you're sitting by someone you love, you better raise your hands or they may shoot you right now. Uh, how, how many would love to have more time to spend with God? I'd like to have more time to spend with God. Oh yeah, raise them up high or God will make you a greasy spot on your little chair, okay? The, the, in, in reality, most of us would love to have more time to invest in these important places. But if the truth were to be known, if you actually had more time, if God just said, poof, now there's 25 hours in a day, it is very unlikely that most of us would actually spend our time doing those important things. Because the reality is, Culture just has a way of overwhelming whatever margin we have. I mean, if you just look at the last time you maybe had a day off that you didn't expect, chances are pretty good that you didn't spend eight glorious hours in God's presence. Chances are pretty good what you did was you ran errands or you caught up on chores or you got ahead at work or you caught up on some emails. Chances are there were many things that felt urgent to you that overwhelmed what you say is truly important. Just kind of the way life is. It's, it's a little bit like this. I don't know if any of you have ever driven a car whose wheels are out of alignment. It's kind of a weird deal. The car just, it just naturally pulls to one side, and if you don't constantly fight it, the pull will take you off center to the side. In reality, all of us, we are out of alignment by nature to God. By nature, we are sinners, and the pull is away from God toward this culture. In reality, culture pulls us off center into a margin-less lifestyle. If you missed last week, you may be saying, uh, what, 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 are you, what are you talking about margin? Let me just give you our working definition for this series as we're talking about having margin in the major areas of our life. And our working definition is this, what is margin? It is the amount available beyond what is necessary. In other words, it is the difference between what you have and what you need. In our scheduling lives, margin would be having more than enough time. It would be having extra time. It would be having time to help someone who's in need without wigging out that, oh my gosh, I don't really have time for this. There's so many other things I need to do. Margin would be having time to listen to our children and not working in our minds. Margin would be having time to be interrupted and be glad about it. Well, I'm so glad you, you, you know, I could be here to help you. Margin would be having time to 
rest, to relax, to reflect. Margin is having a, a great amount of time with the people that you love. Not always fighting because we just can't seem to connect intimately. Margin is having plenty of quality time with the creator and sustainer of this universe, time with God. Margin for most of us is the very thing that we do not have, margin. Ephesians chapter five, verse 15, 16, and 17 is the verse that I hope will kind of establish the trajectory of our study today. And here's what scripture says. Would you help me out at all of our locations? The Bible says to be what? Say it aloud, everybody. Be very careful. One more time, say it aloud. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as what? But as wise. Be very careful. Because if you're not very careful, you need to understand that there is a pull away from the most important things to the lesser important things of this world. Be very, fight against the pull of culture. Fight against it. The default stance of living is not wisdom, it's foolishness. Fight against, be very careful then how you live, how you plan, what you say yes to, what you say no to. Be very, very careful to fight against the pull of this culture. The verse goes on to say, making the most of every opportunity because the days are what? They are, they're going to pull you off center, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish but understand what the Lord's will is. Be very careful, be very careful, be very careful how you live or culture will drag you away from the things that you say matter most into a margin-less and meaningless lifestyle. My friend uh, Andy Stanley wrote a book called The Best Question Ever, and the one question that really captures the essence of this book is one that I believe is so important when it comes to our scheduling. For example, if I said to you, hey, um, can you do such and such next Saturday, chances are most of you would kind of look at your, your calendar and say, are we free? Well, if we're free, then we can do it. And so you ask, are we free? Which is not a bad question, but not the best question. Or you might say, well, is this right or is this wrong? Well, since it's not wrong, it must be right, so we'll do it. But a better question to ask when it comes to our scheduling is not, is it right or is it wrong or is it free? But a better question to ask would be this, is it wise? Is it wise? In fact, in your notes, I've given you a little uh, a blank section there that says, in light of blank, is it wise? And I would, I would encourage you, when you're making decisions about your schedule, to fill in the blank with whatever is important in your life right now. It could be this. In light of our uh, future hopes and dreams, is adding this thing wise? In light of our current family situation, it could be in light of the fact that our marriage is not where God wants it to be, is it wise to take on something else? Or in light of the fact that we have two children in diapers right now, is it wise 
to do this. Or for you, you it could be, in light of the fact that we have a 17-year-old who only has one year left under the care of our home, is it wise to be taken out of the home for this? In light of the fact that our days are numbered, James says that you are, your life is a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. In light of the fact that life is precious and short and that every day is a gift from God, in light of that fact, is it wise that we invest our time in this? Is it wise? Not is it right, not is it wrong, not can we do it, but is it wise? Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of all of these opportunities that are passing by every single day. All right, so what are we gonna do? What I wanna do is try to answer the question, how do we schedule wisely? Because I would argue that most of us are scheduling foolishly rather than wisely. I'll give you just one very simple statement. We've said this before, and I promise we will say it again. And the answer to the question, how do we schedule wisely, is this. We must learn and have the courage and faith to say no to many good things so that we can say yes to the best things. Help me out. What are we going to say no to? We're going to say no to many what? To many good things so that we can say yes to what? To the best things, because too many good things quickly become the enemy of the best things. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Romans 12, chapter 2 tells us this. The Bible tells us, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, to the pull of this culture, but be different, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Change the way you think. Don't think like everyone else. Don't be pulled like everyone else. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what the will of God is, his good and his pleasing and his perfect will when you are not conformed to the patterns of this world. That's why I love when people tell me, Craig, your family's so weird. Oh, I find such comfort in that. Because whenever I'm normal, that means I'm pulled toward the culture of this world. But you see, the closer that I am toward God, the more different I am than culture. The closer I am to the heartbeat of God, the more differently than we live and invest our time than so many other people. When they say, oh man, you guys are so weird. Thank you, because normal is not working. It's not. What is normal in marriage? It's divorce. What is normal with kids? Rebellion. What is normal relationally? Emptiness. When it comes to scheduling, what is normal? Being overwhelmed being overworked, being frenzied, being stressed, being miserable, being busy and yet being empty. That's normal. You know what the most normal answer to the question that I get nowadays when I say, hey, what's up? How's it going? Oh, dude, everything's great. Busy, everything's great. How you doing? Oh, man, busy. What's going on right now? Oh, really busy. I don't know the last time I've ever heard something. Hey, what's it going on? How's it going? Oh, man, not much going on here. 
you don't hear that. You'd be like, what are you, a loser or something? I mean, all the important people are busy. How you doing? Busy, 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 busy. How you doing? Busy, busy, busy. What we have to understand is that busyness does not equal productivity. There's so many people busy doing useless things. Busyness does not equal importance. Busyness does not equal meaning. In fact, I would argue that so many people are being robbed from a life of meaning, not because they're not committed, but because they're overcommitted. Well, that's good preaching. I think I need to say that again. That's, that's, that's not bad preaching for a middle-aged guy with six kids. Okay, let's say that so many people are being robbed from a life of meaning, not because they're not committed, but because they're overcommitted. That's why I want to challenge you. I want to dare you. I want to beg you to have the courage and the faith to say no to what so many others say yes to so that you can say yes to the very best things. Just because you could do something does not mean that you should do something. Whenever I started getting more opportunities to do more things, I found myself saying, how can you say no to that? I mean, that's a good opportunity. How can you say no to that? And I'd go home to Amy and say, how can I say no to this? And she said, here's how you say it. No. How is that? She said, I'll say it again. Watch this. Here's how you say no. You go like this. No. No. If someone asks you to do something that's not going to be the best use of your time, in light of the fact that your life is not truly pleasing God in the way it should, no. You may say, well, that's, you know, don't I have to give a reason? No. No. No is a complete sentence. That's a great thing. You may say, well, you know, that's just not very, you know, uh, that doesn't feel, that's, that's not very fancy. Well, then say it like this. If you want to be fancy, just go like this. Just don't say no. That, no, that's normal. Just go like this. Ready for this? Can you do it? No. Just got fancy. Okay? <laughs> it is no. I mean, no. Uh, no. In fact, let me just very practically tell you some things that we have decided to say no to so we could say yes to some of the, the better things. And, and this admittedly is, is different than our culture. But Amy and I, we love a nice home. We really do. We, we like order and things picked up and clean. And that's something that both of us have always enjoyed. Well, with six drunk midgets <laughs> running around our house, it's often not real orderly, you know. And, and so we, we spent several years trying to fight for perfection in our home. And so kids pick up and pick up and clean up and scrub and this and that and the other. And it was kind of a losing battle. And so we were always frustrated. And one day Amy just said, Craig, what if we chose relationships over tasks? What if we intentionally didn't try to have the house just perfect but chose relationships over perfection? And, and I never will forget that conversation. It was like for me, this switch went on. Like, oh, that's good. That, that's saying no to a good thing, which is a really nice house, to say yes to something even better. Time with the kids. And, and it's been one of the most life-changing decisions for me to come home and say, you know, everything's not perfect, but you know what? That's okay. So if you come over, just step over a toy. It's okay. We, we made a choice for something more important. Okay? There's another example, and admittedly this is weird, which again I find great comfort in. And for those of you kids that are gonna hate me after this, I apologize up front, 
but this is something our family shows. Uh, we have a lot of time together, intentionally, but what we noticed is that we often didn't have real intimate time, and we had in our home kind of a common distraction. All of us were distracted over and over again by technology. Someone's Facebooking, someone's working on their blog, someone's Twittering, someone's playing Club Penguin or Webkins or the Wii, you know, or uh, listening to their iPod or watching television. And so we made a very controversial decision in our home to limit the use of technology to only three days a week. That means four days a week there's no television, no iPod, no Club Penguin, no Facebooking, no email, none of that stuff. And let me just say up front, admittedly, this was a controversial decision. There, there, were, some, there were six kids in these closed-door meetings. Buki was planning to lead a rebellion and take over. And, and, you know, and st every, I still sleep with one eye open just in case. You know, it's, it's, but here's what happened. Here's what happened. As we started to detox from our, our, our addiction to these isolating technologies, all of a sudden we rediscovered how to play board games and charades and tell stories and read books and have wrestling matches that include all six drunk midgets and, and have this very intimate time when we were willing to say no to what everyone else says yes to all the time. Speaking of technology, since you got me off on this, I read an article in USA Today, speaking of Nielsen, that said the average American spends 28 hours a week watching television. 28 hours a week. Do you realize that's more than three productive work days watching the television? Is that wise? I mean, think about this for a minute. If you're the average American, by the time you reach your mid-70s, you will have spent over 10 years numbing out in front of a box. Is that wise? Normal, yes. Wise, no. Be very careful. Be careful. I mean, you'll be pulled into the lesser important things unless you are Wise. I don't know what, what it'll be for you, but don't you dare say, I wish I had more time for this. I, I don't have time for what's important to me. No, you have time for what you choose to have time for. You make the choice. Don't you let anyone else talk you out of what is most important. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. You choose. You choose. Here's what's amazing to me. Those of you who are Christians, there are two things that are phenomenally important to your success in your relationship with God. But as soon as the margin is squeezed out of your life, in almost every instant, these two most important ingredients are also squeezed out of your life. You watch. As soon as you get rushed or overwhelmed, the two most important things that we should never let go of are often the very first things to go. What are those two things? The first thing, if you're taking notes, is intimate time with God. Intimate and consistent time realigning daily with God because by nature our hearts are out of alignment. But daily we realign our hearts with the word of God, with his truth, and with his presence. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 33, he said, but seek what? Everybody say it aloud. He said, but seek 
Again, one more time, but seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness and then all these other things, you know, where you're going to live and what you're going to wear, what, all these other things will be given to you as well when you seek him first. You see, a lot of you, you're going to say, well, you know, uh, that's real good for you, preacher guy. We know you work Sundays, but we don't know what you do the rest of the week, so you can have time with God. You know, we live in the real world. I don't, have I don't have time to have time with God. And I would argue all day long, you don't have time not to have time with God. You don't. If you want everything else to be added unto you, you seek him first. It's like the tithe. You, you put aside the first and he blesses the rest. You seek him first and the rest of your day is aligned to the heartbeat of God. I, I'll give you the best example of this. Uh, my wife Amy is um, one of the most spiritually productive, relationally productive people that I have ever met in my entire life. And I, I just want to tell you about what she does. First of all, last week I asked her, how did the margin message speak to you? She said, well, it's a good message, but I've got margin. And she does. And I want to tell you what she accomplished. Now, first of all, I want to acknowledge that we have um, a wonderful friend who's actually in this experience that works with us in our home. And this was a very difficult thing for Amy to allow because she's like, you know, a good mom has to do everything. And what I tried to convince her of is if you do have financial margin, one of the best things you can do is you can bring someone else in to do what someone else can do to free you up to do what only you can do, okay? Gentlemen, I'll just give you a little word that'll make your wife really happy. If you have financial margin, you can hire someone to help relieve her of housework, or you can get up off your buns and you can do some yourself, but it's a great way to do what anyone can do to free her up to do what only she can do. Ladies, if you like that, you can send a donation to the Groeschel College Kid Fund and we'll make sure that it goes to the right place. But when we freed Amy up to do some of the other things, let me tell you what she does and she does with margin in her life. I made a list. First of all, she homeschools our six kids. Okay, people say, well, you guys homeschool. I don't. Okay, she does it all. She homeschools our six kids, and spends an enormous amount of time nurturing our children. She maintains our house. She takes care of me. And I must say, I am exceptionally high maintenance in, in every way. She serves our church unpaid as a volunteer and works with me caring for people and volunteers in so many different capacities. She's involved in a couple of nonprofits, uh, uh, helping with adoption and helping pastor's families that are very important to her. She speaks to uh, women's groups, to homeschool groups on behalf of our church. She writes curriculum. She mentors a group of um, very young women. She uh, mentors and leads a life group for uh, other women. And she leads a life group with, uh, with me. And she is phenomenally productive with tons of margin. And, and ladies ask her all the time, how do you do it? What is your secret? And here's what she says. She says, my secret is I give the first part of my day to God. Like, how do you have time for that? And she says, I don't have time not to do that. And here's what happens. When she gives the first portion of her day to God, she is realigning her heart to her heavenly father. Then during the day, she is very sensitive to the things she should do and not do. When there are distractions that are not from God, she very easily says no. 
when there are interruptions that are obviously from God, it's easy for her to tell. And she says, oh, this is obvious. God wants me to do this, and so I'm able to say yes to it and have margin to do it. Then, check this out, she is very secure in who she is. She doesn't need to say yes to your invitation to help her feel good about herself, to have you like her because she is secure with who she is in Christ. Give an example. She was nominated to be the mother of the year in our state, uh, kind of a big award. And she looked at it, she said, you know, I don't have time for that, no thank you. And I thought, that is exactly what the mother of the year would say. I, I, I don't need that. And I love that because she didn't need someone else to say, here's an award to validate you. Now you're a good mom. She is very busy being a good mom and doesn't need someone from the outside to say, oh, we like you, we value you, we approve of you because she's already approved by God daily in her time with him. Last week I asked you to spend five minutes just being in the presence of God. This week I challenge you to double it. Double it. Go to 10. Open up God's word this week daily, first thing, and just take it in. Realign your heart to the things of God and watch as the rest of your day things are more productive and more in place because you have sought first the Father of all. The first thing to go is the most important thing, intimate time with God. The second thing, if you're taking notes, that very few of us have is what I call intentional times of rest. Intentional times of rest. Jesus said in Matthew 11, verse 28 and 29, come to me, Jesus said, all who are weary and burdened, those who are overwhelmed, those who are hurting, those who are single parents and do not think you can make it another day, those who are business owners and are, and are stressed, those who, who are financially worried right now, come to me, those who are weary and burdened, and what will I give you, Jesus said, I will give you rest. He said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and what will you find, he said, you will find you will find rest for your souls, the very thing that many of us do not have, Rest in our souls if you'll come to him. Check this out. Most of us, when we get busy and when we lose margin, we feel like we cannot afford to take a day of rest. God worked six days and on the seventh day, what did he do? He what? He rested. One of the Ten Commands, thou shalt honor the Sabbath. Take a day of rest. In the Old Testament, God said you can work the land for six years on the seventh year, you cannot plant and you cannot harvest. You have to give it a year of rest. Do you think anybody would do that today in our businesses? Ain't no way. No, we gotta make money, we gotta produce. And God is saying, you don't understand. If you'll work the land six years and give it a year off, you will produce more in the six than you would in the seven. It, it, is, it is a principle of faith. Here's the deal. Most of you, you think you're too busy or too important to truly take a day of rest. You have no idea how important I am. You have no, you, I can't do that. What are you saying? God's principles are not true. That's what you're saying. You, you don't truly believe that to rest will make you more productive and more spiritually healthy it's a faith issue. It's one of the first things to go. And our culture's like, yeah, I've gone a whole year without vacation. Oh, that's real smart. Let me ask you this. Those of you who are Christians, do you think it's wise to neglect time with God daily? 
do you think it's wise, do you think it's wise to not honor God with one of his top ten commandments to rest? Here's the deal. You, you think you don't have time for these important things, and the reality is you don't have time for the most important things because you are out of alignment with God. I will not surrender to culture, and I'm fighting with everything in me to be different, to be weird, because normal is not working. If you don't have margin, you're missing out on the most important things. Realign daily with time with God. Rest. Rest in your souls. Or you can just be normal. God, I ask that the truth of, of your word would just penetrate our hearts, that, that we would truly be very careful then how we live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, God, because the days are evil and they pull us off track. God, forgive us for taking our hands off the wheel and becoming like the rest of the world when you want us to be conformed to the image of your son, Jesus. Here's what I want to do. Nobody looking around. I'm going to ask two questions, and I want you to be really honest and just and let the weight of these questions sink in. Those of you who are believers, how many of you would say, yes, I am a, I'm a follower of Jesus, but I don't have consistent, intimate time with God? Would you raise your hands up high right now? Raise them up. Okay, put them down. I want you to think about that for a minute. Think about that. How clever do you think your spiritual enemy is to have convinced you that that is not the most valuable part of your day? Just feel, feel the weight of that right now. Is that wise? How many of you are like me, and I've, I'm learning this and doing so much better now. How many of you, you're so busy and so often overwhelmed that you find it difficult to rest, and then when you do, you often feel guilty? Raise your hands. Raise your hands. You should think about that. Thou shalt take a day of rest. How wise is that? God, I, I just pray that at this moment, your, your Holy Spirit would speak to those few who are open and their minds would start to be renewed. And God, I, I even feel just almost ashamed that I would have to ask you to take the people under my care and help them to have time with you. God, how, how, how we can have missed that, I do not know. I pray, God, that, that, that we would feel the weight of neglecting that realignment moment with you every day. And that for so many, this would be the beginning of a consistent discipline that would forever alter their lives. God, for those who do not rest, I pray, God, that they would be convicted that um, one of the most spiritual things they can do is rest. And that if we would truly honor you with a, with a holy day set aside, free of work, investing in relationships, getting to know you, God, that the six would be so much more productive, and most of all, God, our lives would be so much more meaningful as we would truly be doing the things that matter to you. God, I pray that we would have a life of meaning, not, not hindered by overcommitment, God, but investing in the places that truly matter most. As you keep praying today, I don't want anybody looking around, but here's what I want you to think about. There's so many of us are overwhelmed because we really think there's something else out there that's going to, to make it. It's the, it's the, the different award, it's the, uh, it's the promotion, it's the, 
the thing that my promotion and raise can buy. It's the next house up. It's the better car. It's the, it's the right relationship. It's someone different. It's, it's some experience. The reason so many of us are, are so overwhelmed and doing so much is because we're so empty. And I honestly believe people are trying to fill a God-shaped void with everything but God. Come to Jesus. Come to him. Come to Jesus. All who are weary and burdened, come to Jesus. He will give you rest. He will give you forgiveness. He will give you healing. He will give you eternal life. Come to Jesus. You may say, yeah, I'd like to, but man, my life is really messed up. Exactly. All the more reason you should come to him. Here's the great news. He didn't come for those who are healthy. He came for the sick. Jesus did not come for the already righteous and religious. He came for the sinners. He came for the broken. He came for us. He came for us, and now Scripture says he stands at the door and knocks. Behold, I stand at the door. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. He is knocking, and he is inviting you to come to him. At all of our locations, there are those of you, you, you recognize I am a sinner and I am far from him. Today I come to him. I'm trying to fill my life with everything else but him. Today I come to him. If that is you today, coming to him just as you are, he will hear your prayer. He will transform you. You will be filled with the Holy Spirit and you will never be the same. All of our locations, those of you who say, yes, Jesus, I come to you. Take my life. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. Raise your hands high right now. Just raise them up all over the place. Let me just meet you eye to eye. All three of you guys right here and both of you back here in this section and right back over here and over here as well. Praise God for you. Others of you who would say me too, right back there and way back over there and here in this middle section, others of you who would say me too, right here. God bless you. Take my life, Jesus. Take all of it. Would all of you pray, all of our our campuses together, pray, Heavenly Father, save me from my sins. Jesus, be the Lord of my life. First in every way, I do not want to be like the world. I want to be conformed to the image of Jesus. My life is not my own. It belongs to you. Thank you for new life. Now take all of mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Life Church explode with worship of a good God who transforms lives. Welcome today to those born into his family.